Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to the Shoreline Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about business and entrepreneurship here in Northern Ohio. My name is Jared. And I am Ben. And we run two companies here in Northern Ohio. One is One Up Creative, which specializes in wedding photography and videography. And then our other company is Shoreline Media, where we do graphic design, web design, and branding for local businesses. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, this is episode four of the podcast. It is. We're, we're starting to get into a flow now. Still trying to figure out some of the technical parts of this, especially like we live in two different cities. And so making the podcast happen while living in different places has proven to be a more of a challenge than we initially thought. Yeah. We thought it was going to be relatively easy. Um, but turns out that's not true. So today we are, we are in person. And we're recording yeah. together. Um, but episode four, uh, today what we're going to talk about is wedding related because obviously we're wedding photographers and videographers. Uh, I'm primarily a wedding photographer and then Ben is primarily a wedding videographer. Um, and between the two of us, we've probably got 20-ish weddings under our belt. Um, Ben's been doing this considerably less as long than I have. He's he's very new to it, uh, which I think brings an interesting perspective because as someone who's relatively new to this kind of field, um, you know, he has a relatively fresh in his brain, you know, perspective on some of the stuff we're going to talk about today. So what is it we're going to talk about today, Ben? Uh, we are going to talk about what you should bring or what we should bring, whoever should bring to a wedding. Right. So, like, if you're going to uh, be shooting a wedding for the first time, uh, photography or videography, we're going to talk about both. This is what we think you should bring. Right. And we're going to talk about gear and various options of what you should bring. Uh, and then in our next episode, we're actually going to be talking about how to prepare for your <clears throat> first wedding uh, and what that experience looks like. Yep. So please tune in for the next episode as well. It's going to go more in depth, uh, less about gear and a much more in depth about the experience and uh, and some of the things you need to know before you're going to shoot a wedding. If you're not a wedding photographer or videographer, I still think it's tremendously useful to listen to. I think most of us get married at some point in our lives. So maybe this will be helpful for you to know of some things to look out for. Um, yes, if you have... A wedding, a, a wedding <laughs> at a wedding any point and, in your future. And you have a wedding photographer or videography for you. So. Yeah. So, uh, you know, please don't just immediately tune this out because it's definitely got relevancy to you. If you're not a super gear-heavy uh, guy and, you know, you don't care so much about cameras and, and tech and all that stuff, you know, uh, there might still be something super interesting here for you to, to pick up on. Yep. So... Uh, let's dive right into this one. This one's going to be interesting, I think, because we get to talk about technology and stuff, and that's always fun. Like, we're both technology geeks, too. Uh, we are. To be able to talk about <laughs> model numbers and, and specs and all that. Yep. That's always fun. <laughs> so, uh, we're, we're going to put ourselves in the scenario of uh, someone who's, who's breaking into the wedding photography space or videography space. Um, and what we're going to look at is, you know, there's this common, like, question. that Like, if you go to the comments of any article or any YouTube video in regards to photography, there's always some guy, some chick on there asking, hey, what camera should I buy? 
Like, and the thing is, is not, there's like people constantly ask that question, but there's never a straight answer to that question. <coughs> Excuse me, man. Are you? Um, so there's never a straight answer to that question because the way that cameras, there's a different camera for every individual. And what may be a good fit for me is not a good fit for the next person. And Ben, Ben is actually in the process of discovering that right now because, uh, uh, not this very moment, but very soon he's going to be in the market for a camera. So he's been keeping an eye out on what that market looks like. And yep. uh, we're finding that there's actually a lot of, he can uh, immediately eliminate like 90% of camera options. Yeah. Just because of, he knows what he wants. Um, like l- list some of your examples of what what's the stuff that you value. We were talking <laughs> about this in the car already. Yeah. Um, it's going to be in a vlog. If you guys go watch us. At some point. Yeah, go, but go ahead and tell them now for the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. But anyway, um, I have been wanting a camera that has a lot of features that the, my camera that I have now does not have. Um, like, say, autofocus, a flip-out screen, a mic in port, um, a um, um, image in-body in, uh, image stabilization. Um, stuff like that. It does not have to be 4K, but it, um, you could definitely have those other, uh, specs to it. And, um, uh, honestly, it's really hard to find a camera that's got all of that in it at once. That's still um, reasonably priced. That's still priced. reasonably priced. Yeah. I mean, I was looking at $400 cameras, and, like, the Panasonic GH3 is probably one of the best ones. It just doesn't have... Um, stabilization. Stabilization. Right. But it has one heck of a good, you know, um, autofocus in it and everything else. Um, it just doesn't have stabilization. So it wouldn't be completely ideal for vlogging and stuff like that, but um, it, would, it would still be a great camera. And um, I was also thinking then, all right, I can maybe try saving up more towards 600, and it's also still kind of hard to find stuff in there, too. Yep, even in 600. So... Then you start thinking, man, how high do you actually have to go to find something that's ideal for all that stuff? And you get basically to Sony's A65, A6400 range. And that's when you get to all that stuff that actually has all the features that at least I want. And has about, um, that can get to about maybe 1200 bucks, or maybe the, the, um, the Panasonic, uh, GH5, which yeah. is about what sixteen? Yeah, sixteen hundred bucks. So yeah, it's kind of a pricey. Will be biting your lip, biting it. I mean, buying it. But I mean, you kind of have. I mean, you get what you pay for. Is basically what I'm saying. <clears throat> Sorry, I had to rotate the microphone because I think you were picking up a lot better than I, or I was picking up a lot better than you were. Okay. Now I think it's a bit more equal. Alrighty. <laughs> okay. So, um, that, that kind of dives into, that's like a teaser, I guess, a really good teaser for the kind of stuff we're going to talk about today. Um, so I guess the best way to start is by running through the kit that we have. And I think we'll run through it quick and then we'll go back and start explaining piece by piece our choices and why we have the gear that we do. And then hopefully that allows us to 
shine a little more light onto some other options that might be better for other people. Mm -hmm. Does that sound like a plan? Yes. Okay. So we'll run through photography first because I actually carry less stuff when I'm shooting pictures than when we're doing video. Video takes actually a lot. A lot of gear. So we will have a lot of talk about when we get to video. So my primary camera, because we all want to start with the camera, right? My primary camera that I shoot with when I'm doing wedding photography is the Sony a7R II. I have a number of YouTube videos about it. Talked about it a lot. It's a great camera. Um, it is a great 42 camera. 42-megapixel sensor. Uh, like, basically one of the best sensors in the world. You know, astounding pictures. And uh, it, it can do, like, 15 stops at dynamic range. Beautiful <laughs> images. Like, it's an awesome camera. And... Uh, it can do 4K, and then you can do 1080p 60. Um, it's got a lot of features for the price, and I got it for like 1700 bucks. Uh, so I had a good deal on it at the time. You can get them around that price pretty easily now, but I got a really good deal on it when I bought it. Uh, so totally worth the money, in my opinion. And so I, I used to be a Canon guy, and I'm not like, I'm not a brand loyalist type of person and you'll find that out as we go through the rest of the kit because mm -hmm. we've got all kinds of stuff we're here. across the spectrum yeah there. we're across the spectrum um <laughs> but i was shooting canon and i basically just said you know right now sony is innovating a little bit more than canon is so i'm going to jump ship and head to sony uh at least until someone else comes out with something better yep. so uh, i picked up the sony a6300 which is now my backup photography camera uh, and then I ended up picking the A7R2 up, uh, primarily because of the ergonomics, because the A6300 is a really tiny camera. It's small, and, and if you have big hands, it's actually kind of hard to use. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it was like it, it's fine if you're like shooting video, uh, but when I was shooting pictures, like holding onto something that tiny for 13 hours a day, it's just a lot. So yeah. um, basically, I, I wanted something that had a little more grip to it had a little more controls refined for someone who's going to be shooting pictures for long hours. So I picked up the A7R2 for that reason, primarily. Of course, who doesn't want the benefits of like, oh yeah, it's got one of the nicest sensors in the world. Cool. Mm -hmm. um, so I shoot with the A7R2. A6300 is my backup camera. And I have videos coming out. If you guys want to see all the stuff that I carry in my bag uh, and our video bag, you're welcome to watch those videos. They're coming out uh, very soon on our YouTube channel. Check it out at 1UP Connect. Um, but uh, basically, I have two lenses that I keep on those cameras for most of the time. Uh, on my A7R2, I keep my Rokinon 50mm f1.4. Um, it's the AF version, which is an interesting choice, I think, because uh, photography community generally craps on that lens. And I think it's just because it's a cheap lens, and they haven't Which really lens? tried it. They're Okanon. Oh. They they haven't really tried it. They don't know how good it actually is, because it's actually a great lens. And for the price, there is not a better lens on the market. Um, the autofocus is, like, the worst thing about the lens, because the autofocus is okay, but it's good enough for what I do. And I do weddings, and there's people moving and stuff all the time in weddings, and, like, I don't have any problems with it. It's been a great lens. And the, the image quality you're getting for $500 is awesome. And then on my A6300, I keep a Sony uh, 28mm f2. 
So those are the two lenses that I keep on the cameras. The this 28 millimeter f2 is also a full frame lens, so I do put it on my a7r2 throughout the day, um, and then I use that as kind of a wider angle lens. And then my portrait lens that I use for longer shots is a Canon 85 millimeter f1.8 with the Metabones Mark IV adapter. So that's like the camera kit that I carry with me on a wedding day. I also carry some extra stuff. I carry a set of macro tubes so I can get macro shots. I carry uh, two speed lights with me. They are Yongnuo YN560 Mark IVs. Uh, and then I carry some light modifiers for those. Uh, I not carry basically a knockoff Gary Fong and a small miniature softbox that go on the speed light. Um, and then I'll also carry a light stand with me so that I can put the speed lights on a light stand during a reception. Uh, and then I carry a couple of other miscellaneous accessories like filters, uh, a capture clip so that I can clip my camera to my hip during the day because I don't use a neck strap on my camera. Um, and just other small bits and pieces like that. But uh, I also, the one other thing I carry in my camera bag for weddings uh, which some people might find interesting is I carry actually a video light in my camera bag when I'm doing photography. I actually carry two. And the reason I do that is because when I'm shooting detail shots, I prefer to use a continuous light because I can see what I'm doing in real time. And there's a lot less fiddling around with flashes and stuff when I'm doing those shots because I typically don't have a whole lot of time to get those done. So being able to see what I'm doing in real time is a great help those and and generally since it's such a small thing you don't need the kind of output you get from the speed light versus just using a continuous light so that is what we carry when we're doing wedding photography now what do we carry when we're doing wedding video uh, so basically when we're doing video we carry all the stuff that we just mentioned <laughs> plus some more plus some more oh yeah it um, is quite a bit um, we do have another camera called the the Black Magic Cinema Pocket Cinema, uh, Pocket camera, Cinema 4K, camera 4K most yeah. ridiculous name out of all cameras that have ever existed. <laughs> but it is a it is a great camera. It just it just came out not too long ago and it has um, some issues. Issues. <laughs> yeah. But that's just their issues. software. They've been updating and it has been actually helping quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, it has gotten better since the camera has come out. So <laughs> um, when the camera came out, it was a mess. Okay. It was a but, mess. But that's, that's a typical Blackmagic thing. If you guys follow Blackmagic at all, they do that a lot. So we all, we carry that camera. We also yes. carry another camera. The <laughs> what camera is that? The Panasonic G7. The Panasonic G7. I forgot about that little thing. The one that I was holding in my hand yeah, today. Yeah, earlier. Okay. Yeah. The Panasonic G7 is our basically our video backup camera. It is a great little camera though. It's it great. is a fantastic little camera. We we love it and I actually I got it because I wanted something specifically to use for video and that is almost exclusively what I have used it for. Yeah. Is to shoot video. And I'm so happy that I have it because like it's just a great little camera and I've used it so many times for little things and mm -hmm. been great to have. Um but basically when we're doing video now it used to be one of the cameras that we used primarily on a wedding day but now it's just like our backup because we use the two sony's and we use our black magic most of a wedding day um and then the g7 we just kind of have with us to fall back on in case something went wrong mm -hmm. with one of our other two yep or one of our other three um and guys one thing 
Um, you. I don't know if this is later about memory cards and stuff. Yeah, like we'll that. talk about that later. Okay. Right. Um, and then as far as lenses on our G7, we just carry the kit lens. Um, we have an adapter, so we can use like Canon mount lenses. Uh, so all of our Canon mount stuff, we can put on the G7. And then the Pocket Cinema camera also uses the same mount, that's a Micro Four Thirds mount, that the G7 uses. So all the lenses that we put on the G7, we can also put on the Blackmagic. So in the Blackmagic, we actually have a Viltrox uh, EFM2 speed booster, which will take, basically, uh, if, if you guys know anything about crop sensors, um, so like something like my A7R2 is a full frame, so if you buy a 50 millimeter lens, that lens is actually 50 millimeters when you're shooting with it. Talking about the screen? No, talk about the frame, the sensor size. The Viltrox is also the uh, the screen. Yeah, that's my monitor. Yeah. Yeah, not what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, so the thing about Micro Four Thirds is Micro Four Thirds is essentially half the area of a ah. full frame sensor. So if you put a 50 millimeter on a Micro Four Thirds camera, it will actually look more like a 100 millimeter would. Because it, it, since it's half the area, the image is covering only half of what the lens is capable of. So it's zooming in to one half of that area. So it looks like a 100 millimeter. So what the speed booster does uh, is basically will take that image uh, that's a two times crop factor and multiply it times 0.7, which makes it more of a 1.4 crop factor instead of a two times. So it kind of brings it back towards a more normal looking image. So not everything is so zoomed in. On the other end of that speed booster, we have the Sigma 18 to 35, an absolute legend of a lens. We'll dive into that later. Um, it's a great lens. It's a great I lens. remember when it first came out. And we went to a, we went to a, we were on our way to a shoot yep. for Nathan. Yep. And um, we stopped at a place called Pixel something. Pixel Connection. Pixel Connection. And um, that lens was there. It was yeah. like, Shout out right to Pixel Right when Connection. it came out. Yeah. Shout out to them. Pixel. Yeah. But we, we just came out and we went there and looked at it. And, oh, it was a beautiful lens. Uh, yeah. I wanted it so bad. And then Jared's friend got one. And I was like, God dang. And yeah. then Jared, next thing, tells me, uh, um, uh, texts me one day, I just bought that lens. And I was like, are you kidding yeah. me? And I still don't have one yet. Yeah, it's a great it's a great lens. And we're going to get into that a little more. Um, then, the, the interesting thing about video, not interesting, kind of common sense. You need audio equipment if you're doing video. Oh, you do. Most definitely. So, uh, as far as audio equipment, we have a Tascam DR40. Uh, and that's our XLR recorder. It has XLR with phantom power. Yes. So we use that to record XLR mics, which our primary XLR mic on a wedding day is the Asden SGM-1X. And then uh, we don't use XLR mics most of the wedding day because it's not very common. What we actually use is lav mics because you have to light mic up your groom. And you're efficient. And we mic up the efficient as well. So we have two lav mics. Um, the efficient one is more of our backup. Yes. So it's not as important because we don't only use that if we need to. But um, saying that that one could probably hear the groom too. Yeah. It's just, yeah. yes. Yeah. So it's just, it it's the backup in case something went wrong with the groom, like his wasn't on right, uh, and maybe he was breathing into it or whatever. Like it just <laughs> didn't turn out. 
Yeah. Um, we have a backup audio for that. So the groom wears a Zoom H1, which is a small little recorder, and then plugged into the recorder. His lav mic is the Audio-Technica, I think it's AT3350 or 3550. Uh, little, it's a little mi- lav mic. Uh, probably the best value in lav mics I think there is. It's is that really that cheap. little dual-sided one? Yeah, the metal one? one with the battery. Yeah, okay. And... Uh, it takes a battery. It's got like a 30-foot-long cable, re- way longer than it's any an, single person should it's need. It's insane. Yeah, it is really long. But the audio quality, <laughs> it's like 35 bucks, and the audio quality for 35 bucks is quite good. Um, and then our other mic is the Sony ECM-3, which is a great little mic. Its downside is that it's silver. Uh, so that's why we don't use it as our about. primary mic, yeah. uh, because since it's silver, it goes on to, if you were to put it on the lab of the groom, it would just look real funky. Yeah, and people will definitely see it. So we put it onto the efficient because uh, typically the efficient does not need to look as pretty and perfect <laughs> as yeah. our groom. Um, so th- that's our audio equipment. That's what we use uh, as well as we use uh, four different tripods. None of them are super notable. They're not like famous or anything. We do use a bikey. BK555 tripod. It's like a $35, $40 tripod. What's this is that, our locked off one. What's that real big one we use every once in a while? Uh, I think you're talking about Ryan's or Nick's. Oh, that's right. You don't have... Yeah, yeah. you do. You have one like I, I just got a new tripod. It's a Proline... I think it's B60 or 60B or something like that. Uh, it's not a super expensive tripod either, but it's really nice. Uh, for the value you're getting, it's really good. Um, and on those tripods, I've got newer video heads and then we got another tripod. It's a Velbon. I know that much, but I don't know the model name because it's so old. I, I've had it for years. I got it for $2 at a garage sale. It's so old. The stickers <laughs> rubbed off, but it's been a trooper for many, many years. So, uh, and then, I just keep that one around too, cause it's been a good tripod to me. Yeah, and then we have I have that old one from the fifties. Yeah, it's an we don't old, take that one to weddings. We don't though. take that one to weddings. Yeah, I just say we have it um, in case we ever need it. Yeah, then we also outside of tripods, we carry a few other things with us. We carry a gimbal. We do. Uh, we I have a Zion Crane V two, not the Zion Crane two, but the Zion Crane V two. Slightly different. Zion Crane two is primarily uh, remodeled to hold more weight than the Crane 2 is. Um, so I'm able to put my G7, my A300, or my A7 on that camera or we, on that gimbal. We, we tend to only really use that during, like, maybe... Um, uh, getting ready. Getting, getting the, ready. Like the beauty shots. Beauty shots or... Yeah at the reception in the middle of maybe dancing yeah. or walking around showing the right. tables and stuff like that. That um, that thing, though, I mean, it is a pain to get it all leveled up. Yeah, it, like if, you, if you're not good. So, like, it's the thing where you put a camera on it, you just leave it on it there whole day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And then we also use two different drones. Uh, one is from my friend Travis who comes with us to weddings a lot yep. the other one is Ben's drone so Ben tell him a little bit about your baby alrighty my little baby drone <laughs> is a uh, uh, what kind is it 
DJI Spark. DJI you don't Spark. Even know what you got, I forget. Man. I always think Mavic. It's not a Mavic. No, Travis, I'd like to have a Mavic. Travis has the Mavic. Travis have the Mavic. He has the Mavic Air, and you have the Spark. The Spark is a, a bit cheaper than the Mavic. Mavic has a few more features. The Mavic can do 4K. Yeah. Spark cannot. Um, but the Spark is a great entry level. It's drone. a great little tiny drone. It comes in a little, um, like a foam case. Yeah. That's really actually pretty durable. And um, it's not even a foot by foot. It's pretty small, that little thing. And um, it makes quite a bit of noise. But anyway, mm -hmm. we like to get shots of maybe like the church mm -hmm. or the uh, um, the, exterior, the, the yeah. exterior of the place. Yeah. We would never turn it on inside a place. No. Um, <laughs> and so yeah. get some beauty shots of like the outside of the place. Like we went to... Um, where did we go to? We went to that castle in Mohican and yep. used the drone, and yep. that was beautiful. We got gorgeous shots there. Beautiful, yeah. All right. So that is most of the gear we carry with us on a wedding. There's, of course, a bunch of little accessories that we're not going to be able to get around to. Maybe we'll mention them throughout this, uh, especially regarding stuff for the Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Camera 4K, because that takes a lot of stuff to make it work. So yeah. we're probably going to mention Plus, a lot of things. Now let's get... Oh, wait, oh, yeah, go ahead. What yeah, were you go, saying? No, go ahead. Okay, well, now we can get to the, yeah, some of the little things. Kind of like, you know, please um, remember to get your SD cards all cleared off, <laughs> back them up before you're, you, you clear them off and stuff like that, because if you go with SD cards or you forget SD cards, just have a whole day process before you go, charge your batteries, unload your uh, SD cards, um, and all that other stuff. Get everything ready, sort it out into a bag, your bags or however you want them. And um, it it's it can really you can run into a lot of problems if you run out of battery or run out of uh, storage in the middle yeah. of something. And we've we've experienced that before, but not at a wedding. We've yeah, yeah. experienced that at a different gig, but yeah. So okay, so let's jump back here to the beginning and we're going to talk about you know i talked about my experience i was a canon guy jumping to sony um but let's, let's kind of talk about you know when you're looking at if you're a wedding photographer and you're buying a camera for photography and then we'll talk about videography cameras right after that um and this is something that we talked about today uh off the podcast but when you're looking at cameras you know there's there's features that matter and don't matter depending on what you're going to use it for. Um, so for me, being a wedding photographer, uh, the primary thing that matters <clears throat> as a wedding photographer is actually, believe it or not, controls. And it's something I tell people a whole lot more nowadays is something I've learned as a photographer going and like becoming more professional is finding a camera that you like the controls for is significantly more important than finding a camera that has a certain spec. And I say that because I was a Canon shooter for a long time. Uh, and I had a Nikon before I had a Sony. Uh, I had picked up a Nikon and then I picked up another Canon after the Nikon. Uh, and I didn't like the Nikon's controls. I just couldn't get used to it. Uh, they just kind of felt clunky to me and I didn't like it. And then I, I was kind of accustomed to Canon's controls. When I got a Sony, what I learned was that 
you know, the nice thing about Sony is that you're able to customize the controls. And I just customized my controls to be just like my cannons were. Mm-hmm. I customize all my buttons to be, and it, it makes it hard for people who don't know my camera to try and use it because all the labels on the buttons are wrong. Like the button will say ISO and it's not the ISO because my ISO is over here. And so it's just because like I had grown so much to like Canon's controls that it was hard for me to adjust to Sony. So I just made everything like my Canon controls. Mm. And that was something when with my a6300, I just wasn't able to ever get used to because I was so used to the way the Canon worked that, uh, you know, the a6300 literally just didn't have enough buttons, enough physical buttons on the, the camera because I was so used to my 60D having all these buttons and the dials and all this, like all the stuff had the screen on top. I just wasn't used to that. So I wanted a camera that was a bit larger so I could have some buttons. Mm-hmm. And so that I could actually make my controls work better for me. And I think, you know, it may not be as important of a thing when you're not pulling 13 hour days, you know, if you have, if you're not under high pressure for 13 hours and you have a little more time to fiddle inside the camera and click through menus to change a setting, you know, a camera like that might be all right for you. Um, and you can make do, I mean, I made do with the a6300 for a whole year and I got a lot of great images out of it, but overall, I just don't think that it's a great option. It, it'd be better to go with a, a year or two older camera to get one with a larger body. Mm-hmm. Even if it doesn't have all the features, having something that has physical controls, at least in my opinion, is a great idea. With that said, um, so when you're shopping for cameras, you want to evaluate uh, past controls. You want to evaluate towards the feel of the image to you Uh, because ultimately again the specs themselves aren't what matters every camera has its own uh, vibe and that's something I've realized now because I've I own we own four different brands of five different brands of cameras in our uh, kit and every one of them looks different when you put pull up an image from any particular camera they will all look different and so You want to find and just kind of fiddle with it and figure out which camera feels the best to you. And right now, the two kind of leaders, I think, um, in my opinion, are are Sony and Fuji. I think as far as wedding photography, uh, Sony and Fuji Fuji are kind of leading the charge. So there's like the a7 III is great hybrid if you're doing photo and video. But then the a7R2, a7R3 are great photography cameras for weddings. There is a camera like the A9 is a great camera, but it's not necessarily great for weddings. Uh, It's more designed to be like a sports camera. And you could definitely use it as a wedding camera, but really it's it's just, the feature set is more geared towards sports. So you're better just going with something more like the others, uh, A7R2, A7R3. Um, Benefits between the A7R2 and A7R3 are basically that like the a7r3 almost has an identical sensor to the a7r2 but it does have dual sd card slots which may or may not be valuable to you that's a hot topic uh in the photography community we might be able to do a whole podcast episode just on that um obviously i don't have dual sd card slots um but 
you know, that may be something important to you. And the A7R 3 has slightly improved autofocus. Uh, so if autofocus is something that is super important to you, to me, A7R 2 is more than good enough. It's been a great camera for me so far, so I don't compare. The autofocus is fine to me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you may want the A7R 3 uh, And then there's something like the battery is much improved on the A7R 3 because they changed the battery for the first time in many years with that camera, and you get a whole lot more battery life now, which is great. Uh, because the Sony batteries suck, you know, they eat battery. And so yeah. if you if you go with a Sony camera, I better expect to bring like five or six batteries easy, <laughs> because you're gonna go through them all. Always buy extra batteries with but, them. But yeah. I use a battery grip, so I don't change my batteries near as much with my camera and the battery life doesn't really bother me because batteries are small you can slip them in your pocket and carry two or three of them with you at all think about sony though too a lot of their cameras have percentages on their batteries so you'd know how far or how close you actually are until you're out yeah canon has a problem where they don't have that and, it just um, got bars yeah it's got bars and i yeah. hate that <laughs> so uh fuji on the other hand as far as photography goes um is they have the X-T2 and the X-T3, which are both fantastic cameras. They're crop sensor, not full-size cameras. But the benefit to the Fujis is that they've got real tight, compact lenses. And Fuji, versus all the other brands out there, actually uses what's called an X-Trans sensor. So they basically, the sensors are built and processed differently than traditional uh, CMOS sensors do, like our other cameras have. And so, because of that, the images just look different. And, uh, you know, I don't want to use, like, the marketing terms, but, you know, people say it looks more filmic, which is Fuji's claim to fame is that they look like film because that's what they are. They were a yeah. film camera mm -hmm. company. Yeah. Um, so they're supposed to look more filmic, and they, they definitely have a very specific character to them. I don't want to necessarily agree with the marketing and say that they look more filmic because I, I feel that's debatable. But they definitely have their own character, and, and you can tell when Fuji cameras are being used by looking at the images. And that may or may not be your thing, and that's fine. Um, but they're great cameras, uh, and they, they have you know, basically great all-around specs. Um, but the primary reason that people are liking those cameras is the character that you get from the images and from the lenses, because it speaks to itself. Yes. Now, having that said... I don't think that I'm in the majority when I say that those are the two top brands for wedding photography right now. Because actually, the most used cameras for wedding photography are cameras like the Canon 6D Mark II, or the Canon 5D Mark IV, or the uh, Nikon D810 or D800. Those are actually the most popular wedding photography cameras out there. Uh, and those are great cameras. I'm not going to diss them at all because the D810 actually has like, if you rank ranked all the sensors, look at like DxO Mark or something, uh, the D810 has the the ranking right below the A7R2 as far as sensor quality. It's a great camera, and I'm not going to diss those at all. And if it's something you want, by all means, go for it. They're they're amazing cameras. Uh, to me, they're just a little too big because they are DSLRs. And uh, some of the features you get with mirrorless, uh, like ha being able to have 400 autofocus points, is really cool. Uh, and you can't get that 
with DSLR. Uh, but they are great cameras. So if you if you're looking for more of the DSLR route, I'd recommend like the the 5D Mark IV, 6D Mark II, or like a D800 or D810 mm-hmm. from Nikon, because though they're they're great options. And actually, my assistant Travis uses the 6D Mark II when he assists me, um, and it's a great camera. And I like I like it when I use it. I use it sometimes for shots, uh, but yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk about video cameras then, because we we talked extensively about audio cameras. Video cameras is a whole different ball game, because video is significantly different in technical difficulty. Because photography is a whole lot less about photography and a whole lot more about the direction of the day, and your job is to kind of direct the group. Videography is a, a whole lot more about technical aspects of the day, and and so the camera use a camera is a lot more of a serious choice when you're doing video. It is, yes. And so we talked about this extensively because we have the Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Camera 4K, and if I'm honest, one a heck of a name. Yes, it is definitely a heck of a name. If I'm honest, uh, that camera is not a camera that I would recommend to people to buy exclusively if you're doing wedding video. It's a great camera and you know we're not getting rid of it because now that we have it, we love it. But if you're specifically buying a camera for wedding video, it's just not the best purchase. Not bad enough to get rid of, but there are better there's better options out there. Um, and I talked about this extensively in the video I uploaded about it. Um, and you can go check that out on One Up Connect. But basically, Ben and I used that camera last December for a wedding. And Ben, what were your thoughts on that one? Because I, I already explained mine in the YouTube video. They can watch it. But let, let me hear you, how you put it. My thoughts on that goofy camera is... Um, it's... It is, to me, a great um, camera. I mean, just for... Because it does video and it does all this mm-hmm. other stuff. It has a lot the feature set. The features that it has, all the settings and what it does, and um, <clears throat> and the the quality you would get out of it too is pretty is pretty insane. Yeah. And um, but yeah, it is quite a hefty. Like price and it's not oh, that expensive. It's not comparatively. It's twelve hundred bucks. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. yeah, it's not that much. But it is. Um, it is quite big. It's big. <laughs> it's big. Let's not, let's not beat around the bush. It's big. It is big. It's. It's it's heavy. It is heavy too. That's so that's the, the thing about it. You w- if you're carrying it all day, you you you're gonna be dead. So your arms so, will be dead. Yeah. Let's preface that a little bit uh, because the camera itself is not heavy. The thing about the Blackmagic camera is it's got like we, we the said camera about, itself it's got, is kind of yeah, heavy though. Still, it's, it still it's is. Not, it's not any heavier than like another camera, any other camera. The thing about the camera is that when we mentioned issues earlier. You have to have stuff with the camera in order to use the camera. It's not like one that you can just stick a battery in. And, I mean, you supposedly could do that. 
but for a wedding, it won't work. Okay, plus another thing, it eats batteries. Yes, and that's, that's the direction. It absolutely eats them. So yeah, we did get a battery pack for it. We have eight yeah. batteries for it. Yeah. Eight regular regular better batteries Canon, for it. They use the same batteries that my Canon 60D uses. We have eight of those. But then and we, then we also bought this giant, what was it? V-mount. V-mount battery. Yeah, the V-mount and, battery. Uh, and it, um, that lasts quite a long time. It does great for weddings now because when we just had the little batteries, it, we, it would last maybe, what, two hours or not even that? No, 30 minutes. 30 minutes. On, on a little battery. On a little battery? All yeah. of them? No. On all of them, you could probably get like three and a half, four hours. Three and a half. Uh, yeah, still, that's not long enough for a full wedding. No. So, thing about that is, since it's heavy and we have, you have to have all these accessories for it. Yeah, yeah, so that's like, what makes it so heavy yeah, too. Yeah, so we so gotta then, have like this big V mount battery to attach onto the camera, <laughs> and then yeah. like in order to attach the V mount battery, you gotta have a camera cage to attach the V mount battery onto. And, and then, then once you have the camera cage, it's kind of hard to hold. So then the, you gotta get like some type of grip. Yeah, so we got a yep. handle. Yes, and. And then the camera, one of the big notable things about the camera is that you can record to uh, SSDs through USB-C. Yes. So that's the way we chose to record purely because of the quality it records and just eats up SD cards. Yeah. Plus, it takes also SD cards and, uh, oh, what's that card? CFast. CFast. And it's really expensive. Yeah. And SSDs are the so. mo- just the most economical way to record. So we record to SSD. So it means you're adding an SSD onto the rig as well. So we've got basically this giant battery. We got an SSD. We got a handle. We've got a camera cage. And then another problem with the camera uh, is that it's got this really, really beautiful, high quality, like amazing five inch screen on the back, which yes. is huge for a camera. Like to have a five inch screen that's massive, <laughs> it's freaking massive. But because it's such a big screen, it's a touch screen, it doesn't flip at all. No, it doesn't. So then so, you have to get a monitor for it. So then it. we got a monitor. And then you have to have a battery on the monitor. <laughs> so the monitor can have power. So now we've got a monitor and a monitor arm and a battery for the monitor, as well as all the other stuff already on the camera. And we've got the Viltrox adapter. And we got a Sigma 18 to 35, which is like a three pound lens. It's a really heavy lens, and then you get, and then since that's a heavy lens, it tends to maybe wobble a little bit. So we got to get a little thing that actually helps the lens stay stabilized, and that also yeah, it's it's a small thing, but it adds like a couple more ounces to the rig, just yeah. just to keep the the lens from like wearing on the, the camera mount. So for all those reasons, it's just a lot to carry to a wedding. Yeah, so that's basically. Maybe you can hold it for a little bit, do a couple things, but mainly that's a side shot or main shot for yeah on a tripod type thing during maybe the ceremony and then the reception and then let it sit. So, so when you're looking at wedding camera videos, like these are the kinds of things you want to look for because battery is going to be a huge issue doing video. Photo you can handle having poor battery life but with video battery life is going to be amplified that and sd cards too depending on what you're shooting in yeah and sd cards 
are a huge issue because with photos you can kind of get away with using some cheaper SD cards for most of the day, but video needs the speed. It and needs it needs the, speed, the space. It needs the space. Especially if you're doing 4K, it eats up yeah. space. And so, so you also, for video, you have to decide if you're delivering in 4K or if you're delivering in 1080. Yep. Uh, because a lot of the cameras now, you can get some that can do 4K, like the Blackmagic can do 4K 60p, so you can do 4K and slow-mo at the same time. But a lot of the cameras you're going to be looking at just starting out doing your first wedding you're not going to be able to do 4K in slow-mo. You'll have to go down to 1080 if you're doing slow motion. Well, so you've got to make that decision beforehand. Yeah, plus, like I said before, always clear off your memory cards. Make sure you have extras, too. Yeah. Always. No matter, like, like we the wedding in December, you know, we went through before the wedding day started. I texted Ben, and I said, hey, do you got any SD cards at your house? And he was like, yeah. I'm like, clear them off and bring them and he's like why do we need them i said no but bring them in anyway they're yeah. small they don't take up any space and just in case really good to have because there has been plenty of times where like not not at a wedding thank god but we've gotten to a place where like dang that's when also sometimes you gotta just bite the bullet and get a huge sd card for a certain camera or something mm -hmm. like that. So I bought a 128 gig yeah. fast SSD card, SSD card, SD card. Right. And um, and it that works great. So you you want to you want to get something that's going to have decent battery. Uh, that's going to get you at least like an hour off of a battery. I, I would say that's the bar. If you can shoot video for like an hour, then that's pretty good. Yep. Um, but you're going to go through batteries regardless. Some cameras are better than others. My Canon 60D could go, like, the whole day and use two batteries. You know, it's really good with battery. The Sony is much worse. So, <laughs> but the Sony is still good enough that, that you can use it on a wedding day. Um, the main benefit to the Sonys that I think every camera brand should be doing, and the Blackmagic can do this, but not if you're using the SSD, is that you can charge the camera through the USB port. Yes. And that's Huge. one thing I wish Canon kind of did. Everybody should be doing but, that. But um, that is a really nice thing, especially if we know, uh, like if we go on uh, gigs for a play or musical. We're um, going to be recording for like an hour and a half straight. Yeah, we, we got to have more battery power. So we just yeah. plug it straight in to a wall or and a just battery, leave it like on. A USB battery bank. You yeah, use, or a USB battery those. bank. We have a couple of those in our bag. That we we have that, and I also have my Mophie 2800. Or no. 28,000. 28,000. Milliamp yeah. hour battery bank. And so that's something that. Or 20,800, whatever it is. <laughs> if you're thinking about Sony, it might be a, a good thing about Sony is that you can, while you're recording, like, like this is in a wedding example, uh, but there was, he said musical, before Ben did. Uh, there was a musical where we plugged a battery bank into my camera while we were recording. And when we put it, plugged it in, it had 32%. And two hours later, at the end of the musical, we had 50% battery. Battery actually charged while we were recording. It went up yeah. because of the battery bank. So that might be something that might want to make you want to get like a Sony A6300 a6400, a6500, 
or like an Ace. A Sony. A Sony. Yeah. <laughs> like basically any of the Sony. The Panasonic, line doesn't the Panasonic do the same thing? Panasonic do not charge off a of USB. But it runs off it. It won't charge though. You, you got to get an adapter. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so that's the downside to the Panasonic's and, and all the other cameras you can get adapters for. Uh, to yeah, it's to usually basically. Oh well, charge it, but things that Canon, they have these things where you stick into the yeah, camera itself battery. and then you plug it in. Yeah, you, it's like a but, dummy battery, and it basically makes the camera think there's a battery in it, but the the battery is actually the battery bank. Yeah. Um, which those they work, but they're kind of a pain in the butt to deal with on a wedding day, and I don't recommend that. What Sony is doing, where it charges through USB, you get a camera that can do that. That is excellent, and That's I do awesome. recommend it. That's it's very, great. Yes. We use it all the time. Um, but as far as as far as video cameras are, I think the two major there's really only two major options for wedding video that people are going with, and it's Sony or Panasonic. Yes. And and so <clears> Sony's <throat> kind of really coming to that spot, and that's why I primarily went with Sony because if I was just doing photography, I'd probably be a Fuji guy, but because I do both video and photo, I needed a camera that could do both. Because that was before I had the Blackmagic. And I didn't have like a dedicated video camera. Mm -hmm. So I needed a camera that was able to do both pretty well. So I picked up the Ace 300. And it's a fantastic camera for video because it's got like all the features you could want. Uh, at, at least at the time. You know, it had 4K. It had 1080p at 120 frames a second. And you had log profiles and all that stuff. But I actually, after getting it, I don't recommend using log. Uh, because Sony's log actually sucks. Yeah, you know, if you if you're good at color grading, it's great, but it's hard to work with and get the hang of, as far as color grading goes. So I don't recommend it for most people uh, shooting in their log. They do have a Cine profile, Cine Four, is excellent, and you get a little less dynamic range out of the Kodak, but it is still very good. Um, but that that's that's an option. The A6300 is what I got. And then they have the A6400, which is basically the A6300, but with improved autofocus and improved, uh, it has a flip up screen, whereas the A6300 does not. And then the A6500 is like that, but it has a, it has a uh, optical image stabilization built into the camera, built in in body stabilization so that your camera doesn't have as much shake. Um, so the, that's that's kind of some of the options on the lower end with Sony, the more they're compact. If you go into the A7 line, they have a lot of options. Uh, the most popular people are probably gonna say are the A7S II or the A7 III. A7 III is probably the best all-arounder. Uh, it's got a lot of like the midway between photo features and video features. It's a great camera, dual SD card slots, the improved battery, like all the features. But the A7R3 has, but it's a little bit cheaper than the A7R3. Uh, but it does have a smaller sensor. Um, uh, not a smaller sensor, but a smaller megapixel sensor. It's not as good. Um, but it still pulls out, like, top 100 camera images. It's a great camera. So I'm not dissing the sensor at all. It's still fantastic. But it's just one of those cases of, like, you know, we... So if you're going for something that's middle of the road... You know that might be the camera for you because it's great at video and photo. It's got like all the video features um, that we talk about with the A6300 cameras, 
but then it's got the improvements like the dual SD cards and the battery that like the higher end Sony cameras do. A7S II is different from those cameras because it's a 4K camera, but it's specifically designed for video. And the, the big benefit to the A7S line and something that may be important for weddings is that you can shoot super low light. The A7 III you can shoot up to like easily 12,000, maybe 24,000 ISO. The A7S II you can shoot in like 100,000 ISO and still get a clean enough image to use. And that's the big claim to fame with the A7S II is because it's so specifically designed for video. The sensor is actually only like a 12 megapixel sensor. So it's not great for pictures, but the video you get out of it is fantastic because since it's so low, low megapixel, they can make the individual pixels very large and then you can get super duper good low light. So the A7S, uh, you know, might be a great option for people. And then if you're not looking at Sony, you're probably looking at like Panasonic. Panasonic has a lot of great options. Uh, we own a Panasonic camera, the Panasonic G7, and it's great because I think it's the best value as far as an all-arounder beginner camera goes because it does have 4K video. Uh, it doesn't have log, but it does have a Cine profile similar to uh, the one that I use in my Sony cameras, and it's pretty good. Uh, and then it also has a mic input, which is something in the $500 price range. Not a lot of cameras actually have. And then uh, it also has a flip out screen and you know, it has all right, low light, not great, but it can also do slow-mo at 1080p. Has a lot of features for that price. And that's definitely one that I recommend for people who are just starting out. And I, a uh, buddy of mine, Mark, a good friend of mine, he, that's actually the camera he started out on, and, and now he has built a, a career as a professional videographer off of that camera. Uh, mm -hmm. So definitely something that you can build out to to do really great, great work with. Um, so definitely recommend that one. But really, ultimately, uh, if I was going to say the perfect wedding camera for a videographer might be... Uh, a Panasonic camera called the GH5 and GH5S, at least at the time of recording this. Uh, because the GH5 GH5S kind of have all the features that wedding photographers need. And that I want. <laughs> yeah, that Ben wants. Uh, the thing about the GH5 and GH5S is they're a little bit more expensive. They are quite. But, uh, benefits include they, they have pretty decent battery life. Uh, you know, not the best in the industry, uh, I, I do think Canon or Nikon would take that one, but it's definitely good enough. Um, and then another thing they have, uh, the GH5, GH5S does not, the GH5 has fantastic in-body image stabilization. It's really good. And so you can hold the camera handheld and get shots that don't look like they're handheld, which is great. Um... And then, of course, you get all the, the features that come with a Micro Four Thirds sensor. You can get the speed boosters and put the Sigma 1835 on there and get beautiful images and all that stuff. Um, but then, you know, it also comes with Panasonic's log, which is very much better than Sony's log um, and very gradable. And then it also can record 10-bit, 400-megabit video, which is great. And that's actually the camera I would recommend most for video. Mm -hmm. You know what's crazy, Ben? We've talked for this long. We have just now gotten through cameras. 
Yeah. We might have to make a whole other episode about the rest of this stuff. Unless we can get through it in the next 20 minutes. We kind of have to speed up, though. You only got 5% on your battery. Or we can switch. Well, we're going to have to use mine in the next one, too. We might not be able to do the next one tonight. Why not? It's not our battery. Uh, I'm my. Okay, let's we'll speed through it. Okay, let's do this. Okay, so that is what we think you should get for cameras. Now, outside of cameras, there's a few options. Uh, as far as photography, the thing is, is lenses are a weird thing. Um, and, and some people, you know, there's two camps, like whether you should get primes or whether you should get zooms. Uh, for photography, I'm much more in the prime category. Um, personally, it's because of the creative outlet that it brings. And it forces you to think and be more intentional with your photographs. Um, but it's definitely not as convenient. And you sometimes don't necessarily get the exact shot you wanted to get uh, be just because of time. You know, you didn't have time to walk forward or walk back to get that shot just because they walked out in the aisle, like, at that moment. So sometimes you miss stuff because of that. Um, but I think creatively, it forces you to be a much better photographer when you're doing that. Uh, so for a basic kit for photography, the thing is you need to cover the three basic angles. You need something wide. So you can get wide shots. You need a medium length that you keep on the camera for most of the day. Um, and then you need some kind of portrait lens. So that when they're doing stuff like the first dance, or they're up at the front of the church and you need to get them from the back, then you're able to get those shots. So those are the three camps that you kind of have to fill. Uh, and so, like I mentioned, my kit. My kit is the 28mm, and then the 50mm, and the 85 I think most people are kind of in that range of like a 35 or a 24. I have the 28, which is in the middle of those two. Um, where, and then they'll have a 50 and they'll carry like an 85 or a 135. So my next lens is probably going to be a 135. I'm thinking to change them out 85 out for a 135 to go a little more on the telephoto end. Uh, and the thing is about those is that lenses, ultimately, as long as you've got the right focal length and you've got a low enough f-stop, the rest of it really doesn't matter. As long as you've got autofocus, it works good enough. So I would I would say just experiment around with lenses. Figure out what lenses are available for your camera that fill those three camps. Mm -hmm. And then just start testing some. Because really the only way to find a lens you like is to try them out. And I think a lot of people don't try out all the lenses and they just kind of make these judgments beforehand. And you don't have to spend a ton on lenses, but you definitely want to invest some good money in lenses. Um, you know, you don't want to buy the, the $100 lens that comes with the camera or something, but you definitely want to buy something better than the kit lens. So I'd say, you know, start looking at lenses in like the $500 range. Uh, you know, drop a few hundred bucks on your 50 mil and then start from there. You say, okay, do I need one wider? more often or do I need one that's more zoomed in more often there if you start in the middle buy yourself a 50 millimeter if you're shooting Canon you can get like the, the Canon 50 millimeter 1.4 um, if you're shooting Sony get the 55 millimeter 1.8 or you can get the Rokinon 50 millimeter 1.4 like I have both great options 
And then you just work from there and you decide, you know, whether or not you need something that's more expensive or less or, or more wide or more zoomed in. Um, so those are two options for shooting Canon and Sony because uh, of the two systems I use most often for, for photography. So I know those ones and I know what to recommend. Uh, then if you're looking for something a little more expensive, go the Sigma route. Sigma has some excellent uh, art series lenses and they have basically a whole range there. They have the 24, the 35, the 50, the 85, the 135. They have the whole range covered. So uh, if you're looking to drop a thousand bucks or 1200 bucks on a lens, they have lenses for all the major brands. So pick up one of their art series lenses. 50 millimeter 1.4 is an excellent lens for that. And then just kind of follow that same process for your wide angle. So, you know, Sony obviously has the 28 millimeter, which I use, uh, and that runs about 500 bucks. Uh, but then you can also get something like Sigma's new 24 millimeter F1.4, which runs about 1300. And that's a great option uh, if you're looking for a wider lens. That or the, uh, um, what's the one I have? Was that a 35? Yeah. It's 35. Yeah, yeah 35. That's a, I love that lens. <laughs> Or yours is the thirty, the Sigma thirty for crop sensors. Oh, yeah. Sorry, 35. Oh no, I have the uh, the one um, M forty two. Yeah, wow. that's yeah. a thirty five. Yeah. So those are great for that. Uh, Canon's eighty five millimeter one point eight, which I have for my Sony, uh, actually is a fantastic, great, great lens if you're getting into like the longer end. Uh, eighty five millimeter is wonderful. Highly recommend that one. Or you can go uh, with with Sony's G Master lens, if you're looking to spend big bucks, it's a beautiful 85 millimeter. Or uh, there is actually the uh, Canon 85 millimeter 1.2, which is a great lens, or the Sigma 85 millimeter 1.4, all of which you can use on both Sony and Canon cameras. And I can't speak for Nikon specifically. I don't know Nikon super well, but you can use the Sigma lenses on Nikon as well. So if you get a Sigma lens, uh, they same optics for all those camera brands, so they're very interchangeable and they're fantastic lenses uh, for the money. So I, I highly recommend spending a bit of money on that. But as far as video lenses go, uh, it's kind of the opposite. You want to get a zoom lens for video, primarily just because it's so much tech, more technically challenging. You don't want to be changing lenses all the time, yeah. and it's really beneficial to be able to zoom in. With your lens, and that's why we got the 18 to 35 because it covers most of our most common focal ranges. And we're able to keep one lens on our Panasonic or our Blackmagic camera. The and also, day. why we also bring a ton of cameras. Yeah. Basically, all our cameras to a wedding for video and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm gonna start wrapping this up. The battery's at two percent. You have any other things to really touch on, real quick? <laughs> So when you're looking at a video camera lens, one thing you want to look out for is something that's going to have a common aperture across the whole range. So you want to get something like a 24 to 70 2.8, just so it's at 2.8 the whole way. That way when you zoom in, you're not going to lose light because obviously if you zoomed in and then the video got darker, that would not look good in your video. Yeah. Um, so you want something that's going to look consistent throughout the whole video. <clears throat> as well as uh, you want to look at something that is going to cover all those same ranges. So even though our 18 to the 35 covers basically 18 to 50-ish on our sensor, or I mean 28 to 50-ish on our sensor, that does not cover the whole range that we do. So we still have to have uh, like our 85 
to put on that camera when we're shooting video so that we can get longer shots. Um, um, so you, you still want to cover all the same camps, uh, but you may be able to cover that with a, a zoom lens, uh, which you can't do. In, well, you can do it in photography, but it's not as common, or I don't necessarily recommend it just for the, the creative factor of it. So some great lenses if you're looking for video are the 24-70 f2.8. Every major camera lens manufacturer, including the camera brands, have that. So look at those options, see which one's going to be the cheapest. And they're all great options, so look at those. Sigma has the 18-35 1.8. Uh, they also have a 50-100mm to 1.8. Those are great lenses. Um, and... Uh, there is a 70 to 200, just like the 24 to 70. Every major camera manufacturer has a 70 to 200. Highly recommend checking out all of those and figuring out which one's going to be the best deal for you. Uh, and then some camera manufacturers have a 24 to 105 f4. Check those out too. Those are great uh, zoom lens options. If you're not looking at zoom lenses, you can always look at uh, all of the more typical camera options. Uh, are more typical prime lens options outside of zooms. Uh, so look at the whole Sigma Art series is going to be great for video as well. Uh, and of course, if you get a camera lens that is native to your mount, so if you actually are not using a Viltrox speed booster like we are, if you're using a built-in lens, a lot of times, like on the GH5, you can get video autofocus. So that might be something to consider as well. Alright guys, so we have now talked for an an hour on this topic and our battery is dying on our laptop we're recording on tonight. So we're gonna have to wrap it up here. Uh, it's been great talking gear with you guys. This is a talk about what we bring to weddings and, and what you might want to consider bringing to a wedding if you're shooting wedding photography or wedding video. And again, this has been the Shoreline Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed it. Hope you got something from it. Uh, and if you have questions about gear, feel free to ask us, send me an email at jared at oneup.photo and, and I'd love to answer your questions. Uh, especially regarding something more unique like the Blackmagic Pocket 4K. We'd love to answer questions on that one. Because it's definitely a unique choice for weddings. Uh, so people definitely have questions on it and, and we'd love to answer them. But again guys, hopefully you got something from it. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to us yap for a while. <laughs> and and uh, hopefully you liked it. And we're looking forward to talking to you next time. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Jared. I'm Ben. And we hope to hear you in the next episode. Bye, guys.